Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. On Thursdays, as always, joined by our my one of my one of my best friends, Dwayne General Asimo Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, Master of the Universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com, the troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. I was just on there last night, in fact, as I usually am on Wednesday nights with Dwayne and uh, doing, um, I, I don't know, is that show prep for the Ed Morrissey Show podcast? Is that what we do there? Well, you see, I've been trying to fall into this pattern where at the end of the show, you know, I, I highlight what's what's coming up on uh, on, on hot air the next day and, and uh, what you're going to be writing about because you never know. You always just follow the news cycle. So I try to say I keep I keep something in the tank and I try to keep something aside and say, well, you know, if you're looking for something to write about, maybe you might have not heard about this and I'll drop something on you. And last week was the first time I actually dropped something on you. And damned if I didn't go to hotair.com in the morning. And it was there. It worked. It worked. Your, it worked. your project was complete. Worked. Yes. So, so you know, the pressure was on to see if I could double dip. So last night, I waited until the very end, asked you what you're going to write about. Oh, I don't know. Me, 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 me. And then I said, well, you know, if you're looking for ideas. There is somebody that's uh, being nominated by Joe Biden for the Sentencing Commission. Now, this is not a judge. This is a policy board to oversee sentencing guidelines. And uh, her name is Laura Maid. And I said, you might be interested to hear this little exchange since the Democrats are all of a sudden trying to say, well, we're against crime, too. Well, no, they're re- really not. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't show it. Here is one of Joe Biden's nominees with Josh Hawley of uh, of Missouri, which was actually a, a a a fine clip too. It was a fine, interesting clip, and it will actually appear at Hot Air today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's what you tell me. So here I am thinking, okay, I play this cut for Ed, and Ed says, "Well, that's actually a really good clip. I think I will write about that. Share that clip with me." So I did. So I go to Hot Air this morning, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read what Ed had to say about this. But no, we've got Grandpa from the Thanksgiving dinner table on with Jimmy Kimmel last night uh, displaying his sundowner's uh, 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 problem. It was just, it was, it was awful to watch Joe Biden. It was embarrassing. You, if, if he didn't have the nuclear codes and weren't such a rotten person, you know, you'd feel bad for the guy. Well, I'm not even sure I'd go that far. <laughs> He's been a he's been a, a, a pretty much well you know what my opinion of it he's is. been a disaster <laughs> he's been a disaster for 50 years in Washington there wasn't a he, single moment in Washington where Joe Biden wasn't a disaster Robert Gates he, put it best he's been wrong in every single foreign policy question that's ever come before him and that's supposed to be his forte <laughs> Ed Morrissey has put it bester by saying he is 20 pounds of manure in a 10 pound sack that's my opinion of him. It hasn't changed in decades. And uh, I am I am sad to say that he keeps continuing to confirm this, especially last night on, on Jimmy give, Kimmel's. Should, should we give people since, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the run up to the to the J6 thing. And there's there's, yeah. there's actually real. We'll talk a little bit stuff. about that today. Yeah, there's real important stuff to talk about today. And there is something really important that almost happened yesterday. That really is about the most important story of the day. But you d- we wouldn't have known that watching Jimmy Kimmel last night. They didn't even bring it up. Nope. Nope. And this and this was eight hours after it happened. 
Um, instead, we got this amazing bit of uh, American, or, or, you know, rhetorical, presidential rhetorical display from Joe Biden on with Jimmy Kimmel last night. This the the sentence, the paragraph begins with Joe Biden trying to talk about his accomplishments. And, well, the sentence really never got finished because Jimmy Himmel, uh, Jimmy Kimmel came in with the hook. Here is... Yeah, here's what that looked like. No so, question So there's about a it. lot of major things we've done. But major what we things. haven't done major things. is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is... No uh, kidding. Um... um Make me say um, another way. Well, see, um, that's kind of perfect. Say, yeah, well, say it in a communicative way. Look how the press has changed. Mm-hmm. Look how the press has changed. It has changed. Oh, listen, it's, I, it's, I get it. I know you get you overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it. You overstand it. <laughs> but what? here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a... Um, a what, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really uh, good reporters... They have to get the number of clicks on on the, clicks. On the nightly news. Mm-hmm. Clicks, clicks on, on the, the nightly, nightly news. Question. <laughs> anyway, it just everything gets gets sensationalized in ways. That, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. And one of the things, look. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll talk a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. Now, we're going to get back to the biracial commercials comment in just a second because that's a whole other thing. But, you know, this is a guy who's complaining about the press who's refused to sit down to do one-on-one interviews with reporters to to communicate whatever it is that the major things that he Number thinks he's accomplished. One, Jimmy Kimmel ain't a reporter. No, and it becomes really clear in the economics discussion that Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel hasn't even bothered to read himself into that situation. Um but um, but then again, Jimmy Kimmel's an entertainer. He's not he's not a news guy. They, they went on a clown show. They, they spent months avoiding the press, at least in one on one interviews with even with now, friendly venues like, say, George Stephanopoulos and see, and Chuck Todd and David Muir but, to do Jimmy Kimmel. Here's the thing, the J6 thing, you know, the, the, the dog and pony show begins tonight. And we learned this week, who is who is producing the hearings? Yeah, ABC's uh, ABC's president. ABC's uh, president is, yeah. is is doing this. And Joe Biden appeared on on which network last night? ABC. ABC. You think that was you think that was just a coincidence? No, of course it wasn't a coincidence. But just to get back to my point, do you know do you know when the last time that Joe Biden sat down for a one-on-one interview with a with a reporter? I do 112 days ago. Right. And you know what it was? Uh Lester Holt. And you know what the venue was? Uh I it was uh, the super it was Super Bowl? It's the it's the lame five minute Super Bowl interview thing that they do every year. And he got testy because Lester Holt dared to ask him a question. Right. <laughs> exactly. So they don't put him in front of people like Lester Holt anymore. It took them four months to figure out that they could put him in front of Jimmy Kimmel, and he can't even handle that. I, I mean, I'm not I sure that the there Jimmy was one Kimmel complete thing, sentence in that in that entire uh, in that I entire think clip the Jimmy you just played. Kimmel thing was it was a payback for the for the abc thing if, if, if abc was saying well if you want us to produce these hearings you've got to give us an exclusive with the president on on good morning american and there was a negotiation back and forth the wise is well we can't put him on that he'll be awful okay we'll put him on a sunday show at stephanopoulos well, we can't do that either he can't handle it 
uh, uh, can we put him on with Kimmel? Well, sure, nobody watches that. And Kimmel's not going to ask him any tough questions. And and Kimmel's, Kimmel's trying to pull him out of the fire there because while Joe Biden's complaining that the press won't cover him properly while he's hiding from the press, he's also saying that um, he's also talking about the need to communicate better while he can't communicate. And Kimmel finally says, you know, what? we're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to take and a break. And Joe Biden, when he says, when he said, when Kimmel says we're going to go to a break, Joe Biden says, I don't blame you. I don't blame. Well, well, yeah, I I mean, I think it was more uh, more of a desperation move at that point. But can we talk? Can we talk about biracial? I was just about to say, I mean, this is that that comment that Kimmel makes on the on the segue out about we're going to see a couple of biracial ads uh, coming up next. That was not a that was not a Kimmel joke. That was a reference to something that Joe Biden said that. I mean, I'm still puzzling over to this to this very moment. Uh, Dwayne's got the clip. Go ahead and play that one, Dwayne. Here it comes. Um, ba, 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 Joe Joe Biden on Mad Men. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. You turn on the TV, look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last what? time you saw the way? I mean. People are selling products. They do ads to sell products. And they sell products when people, they appeal to people. This generation is going to change everything. We just got to make sure we don't give up. What What? the hell was that? What? I mean, first off, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, Dwayne, but advertising for the last several years has heavily promoted biracial couples. Yes. Heavily, heavily so. Very and, much so. And it's clear that it's a strategy. And I and I, you know, I'm trying I, I walked through it in my post this morning. It's like, you know, this has been going on for a while, right? And it's probably because it polls well. I mean, I'm I'm here to tell you that advertising is very scientific <laughs> in its approaches to what images you put with what products. They 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 do focus group testing, they do tons of research on this, and my guess is about 10 years ago or so, uh, it came up that biracial couples are a pleasing image to Americans. Why? Because Americans don't really have problems with biracial couples. I don't even know what Joe's talking about. I mean, this is not the 1960s. It's not the 1950s. Americans are proud of the of the progress that they've made in racial relations. Biracial couples represent that. And I think what, what Ed what advertisers tumbled to a decade or more ago was that Americans feel better about themselves by seeing that on television. And so because they feel better about themselves, they associate very positive feelings to whatever brand is, um, is attached to those images. And so now I, 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 I think you could probably look at television and try to pick out which ads don't have biracial images of some kind uh, because they're few and far between, and it's because it sells. I mean, I, just I, it's popular. I, I don't. I. I honestly, I don't get it. Is he trying to say that the that that uh, the entire you know, Fifth Avenue is, is he is he is he trying to say that the entire advertising industry is so racist? Is I mean, is that what he's trying to claim? Yeah, and he's talking about young people as though they're going to change the world when the world changed. <laughs> decades ago and grandpa joe just doesn't know it yet i mean it even in what we're talking about right now with the last 10 years or so as 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 you know madison avenue has more or less commercialized 
these, you know, biracial couples for for advertising purposes. Who's making those decisions? It's not teenagers. I <laughs> it's, I do, it's middle aged people. It's middle aged right. people in the advertising industry started doing it ten years ago. Middle aged people and older in corporations were sold on the idea ten years ago or so. And the people who are buying the products are mostly middle aged people who are very comfortable with these images. The, I mean, the change is here. It's done. It's over with. And Joe Biden's talking about this like he's still in in uh, nineteen sixty two Delaware for crying but, but, out loud. But again, but again, to what it, what what point is he trying to make? What 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 political that, what, point? That, that we're that we're still racist and 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 that we're um and that we have to wait for the next generation to to save us from it, which is absurd. <laughs> I don't know when the was the last time that he watched um, television was was when my mother the car was on television. I mean, was that his last favorite TV show? Because that would be about that would be about the last time that you know you'd have to worry about that kind of stuff. Maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe the Montefuscos. I <laughs> welcome I back. Just... Oh, I know what it was. It was Carter Country. <laughs> that was his last favorite TV show. It was Carter Country in 1977? I think it was 1978. And, and again. This coming from the guy that went on the breakfast club with Charlemagne the God, who was asking him legitimate questions about policy issues and saying, I'm not I'm not done with you yet. I still have questions for you. And Joe Biden says, well, if you're still not sure about whether you're going to vote for me yet, then you then you ain't black. This yeah. is the same. This is the same guy. Yep. Um, I, I yep. before before we leave this 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 uh, non-interview, I got to play <laughs> one more clip. This is seven okay. sec. This is seven seconds long. Quick clip, but I I don't want to I don't want to pass the chance of playing this one. Here's Joe Biden last night. Look, here's where we are. We have the fastest growing economy in the world. The world. The world. The um, world, the world, the world, except that our economy shrank 1.5% in Q1, the last, it, the last, the last metric we've got for it. So if we're the fastest growing economy, every other economy in the world shrank by more than 1.4%. Um, well, first off, I just take, I take exception to the word growing <laughs> because when you're, when you're in negative territory, you're not growing. That's the definition of, of, of shrinking. Actually, see, no, I, I, I take your point. But what, I, but what I'm saying is, is what possible metric can that be true? It's not it's not true under any metric. It's not oh. true under any metric. So so he's lying his ass he's off. Lying his ass off. He's lying his ass off. And this is what I was talking about. There's a longer clip of this. I think um, uh, it, it, you can find it on the Internet. It's about I don't want to play it now. It's two minutes long. It's actually in the it's actually in my post at Hot Air. Um, where he's talking about, oh, well, you know, we've added 8.4 million jobs. No, we haven't. We've restored 8.4 million jobs. We We're haven't still, added any. We haven't added any jobs since the start of the pandemic. We're still about 900,000 jobs short of that number. And that's not even taking into account the number of jobs that should have been added through population growth. We're actually about Correct. 3 million jobs shy. Now, we're we're certainly recovering these jobs and doing so at a yeah, fairly decent clip, about 400K a month. Should be faster than that, but at least it's at 400K a month. But we're not, we're not creating jobs, we're recovering jobs. Um, we, are, we, are not, um, we are not expanding uh, buying power, we're shrinking buying power. And when we talk about economy, uh, Joe Biden is talking about the economy as though it's going gangbusters while people in 
uh, American he households all over the place are, are are starting to buy less. They're starting to look for cheaper brands. Um, they're they're starting to cancel summer vacations. These people in America are not experiencing I'm a growing starting, economy. I'm starting to think that Joe Biden is conflating the inflation number with the GDP number. Well, I think that that might very well be the case. Yes. Well, I, and they tried to argue last year. Remember that inflation is growth. Remember, they, they were arguing they, that. They, they sure did. And you know what? People all over the country, every time they go to put gas in their tank now, by the way, today, happy anniversary to uh, to all uh, gas buyers out there. Uh, according to Gas Buddy, the, uh, the threshold was passed, a nationwide average has passed $5 a gallon. According to Gas Buddy, according to AAA, it's still a little bit below. I usually wait for EIA's statistics, which come out on a weekly basis, because that's the official measure so i just like to stick with you know primary sources but the point the point it being, was at 4.977 on monday it's clearly going to be over five by monday yes it's, it's gonna it's gonna hit six bucks by august oh now, easy easy yes. it might it might hit it might actually at this rate at this pace it might actually hit uh six dollars a gallon sometime in july Right. And 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 still continue to go up from there. I, I don't know if you saw this. I, I I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but the Washington Post, I think it's the Washington Post, has something that AAA, uh, the number of um, calls to AAA's road service for people who've run out of gas is starting to skyrocket because people don't want to go to the gas station and fill up their tanks. So they're 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 running <laughs> so, on fumes. So so, so they're so they're going gallon gallon by gallon and, I, and, and calling triple A. I, I I guess so. I guess they're doing <laughs> wow. that. Wow. Well, now that's I'll write that's about novel. that a little later. I'll write about that a little later on. That's a that's a bad strategy, by the way. Especially if you live in cold weather states. You can get away with that in the summer, but if you live in places like Minnesota, where I used to live for twenty three years, you never have less than a well, quarter tank of gas in the cold tank, weather ever. states. If, if you're in a warm weather state, if you're in California driving around the Southland and you're doing the gallon by gallon strategy and all of a sudden you run out in Compton, that ain't kosher. <laughs> Weather's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there's that too. But I'm, I'm just saying that, um, you know. You'll, you'll break <laughs> down and, and waiting for waiting for uh, AAA, all of a sudden you'll be up on blocks. Yep. Yeah, you, it'd be like uh, it'd be like driving around like the uh, Bruce Willis's car in uh, <laughs> yes. Blind Date. Yes, That's a, exactly. A crate right. there, no yes. doors. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, now that we've got that out of the way, yeah. um, really quickly before we get to the J six stuff, I, I don't know if you saw this, but Bernie Sanders apparently is 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 telling everybody that. Uh, Democrats are going to lose big, and what they really need to do is run against Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, <laughs> purify and then, and then rebuild. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is we only have forty-eight I votes. That, <laughs> I, I I endorse that strategy. I, I love this strategy. I love this strategy. This is a this is a winning strategy for Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, normally it's only the Republicans that employ that that deploy this strategy. Normally, the Democrats. Uh, don't stoop to that level, but I, I, I fully endorse this. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is Bernie Sanders still thinking that the emerging progressive majority is an actual thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's saw, I don't know if he's seen the Ch election Chessa, results. For, Chessa, Chessa for Chessa Bodine in the, in the emerging progressive majority. 
Karen Bass and the emerging progressive majority. Yeah. How does Karen Bass, who was on Joe Biden's VP shortlist, end up with only 37% of the vote in Los Angeles, while a billionaire uh, Republican until yesterday uh, candidate who's never run for office before ends up with 42% of the vote? This well, is- that happens. That, that happens because she wants to literally defund the LAPD. And Angelinos, after seeing runaway crime and homelessness everywhere, they're not totally down with that, actually, as, as it turns you, out. Ne- neither are San Franciscans. I, I mean, I, there was an article in the, um, in the Atlantic. I really haven't had a chance to parse, um, parse through completely. But there was a really good line in this. This is from a, a San Francisco, longtime San Francisco resident, I think a native San Franciscan, actually, um, who's, you know, lived there since, she must be my age, um, I'm guessing from when she was describing her childhood in in San Francisco. And, you know, she says, it was always strange, it was always weird. But in in the last generation or so, um, you've got um, a bunch of basically performative activists LARPing as, uh, you know, uh, LARPing their ideology, which means live action role playing, their ideology rather than, you know, trying to make the city better for the people who live there. And and San Francisco voters are finally getting sick of it. Um, And I think California voters are finally getting sick of it. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to start electing Republicans right and left in San Francisco, Los Angeles, or any other place. But the longer that Democrats cling to this idea that the emerging progressive majority is right around the corner, the more they're going to lose these elections. And the, the, the less that they're going to get in terms of um, progressive support, or support for progressives, I should say. To- totally agree. I mean, if if you looked at the turnout from from what happened yesterday, uh, typical typical Democratic turnout was nowhere near what it normally is in California. It was right. a very very depressed turnout, and th- and in this state, I mean, hell, you could you could have early voted, you know, at Christmas time. Uh, we, we've got such ridiculous voting here. And they still couldn't get, Karen Bass still couldn't get a bunch of people to turn out for. Yep. By the way, um, while we're talking, we should mention this too. Because um, <laughs> we mentioned it last night. Ro Khanna, who is a um, House uh, progressive Democrat, uh, came out and said, you know, maybe we should have passed. Ro Khanna. Ro Khanna. Ro Khanna. Well, at the, least he's, the, at least the, he's the doing white, that much. The weather, vein, the weather vein of the House Democratic Caucus. At least he's doing that much, Dwayne. He came out last night and said, you know, maybe we should have passed that uh, unanimous Senate bill protecting Supreme Court justices. Gee, you think? Jake Sherman, while we're talking here, Jake Sherman this morning is now saying the House Democratic leadership is heading towards passing John Cornyn's SCOTUS protection bill by unanimous consent as early as today. Well, who, who could have seen that coming? Who, I, I am stunned. I'm stunned. It came out of nowhere, Dwayne, just kind of like the you, guy who wanted know, to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Until, until yesterday, do you know what the Democrats wanted to put in that piece of legislation if they were going to bring it up? My understanding was that they wanted to add language that would protect clerks and um, and and staff, but I think that there was more to it than that. No. Do you know, do you know what poison pill they wanted to put in there? No. They wanted to specifically ban protection for Jenny Thomas. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and dare Republicans to say no to it. Yeah. That's uh, um, that's classy. That's totally yeah, classy, that's, isn't it? That's really classy. Super classy. Uh, Ro, Ro Khanna is looking at that going, uh, guys, 
we don't want to be held responsible and we will be we don't want to be held responsible if a if a if a justice gets whacked on our watch uh i want to know i want to know where chuck schumer is today where the hell is chuck schumer well, I don't know where he's at, but I'm going to tell you right now that he's probably not going to be anywhere near a podium when the House finally gets this thing passed by unanimous consent. I think you he's think, going to. I think he's going to try to stay way the hell away from this. You think? You think he'll be at the uh, at the resolute desk uh, in a ceremony uh, right next to Joe Biden when he signs it? Nope. I think he's going to stay as far away from this as possible. He doesn't want to answer any questions, and I don't think there's going to be a. I don't think that there's going to be a resolute desk. I see, I'm not this. thinking there's going to be one either. Yeah. I'm thinking it's going to be really quiet. It's going to be it's going to be made really really quiet, and uh, everybody's going to try to get their. You know, of course, Republicans will pounce. Dwayne, Republicans will pounce all over this. You're but, damn right, we're going to pounce. And, and they on that should, one. and they should. But Democrats are going to want to get this out of the way as quietly as they possibly can at this point, which is the reason why uh, one of the things that Jake Sherman's reporting is that. Uh, they, w- they wanted to add language for the clerks, but that deal fell through. Yeah, that deal fell through because everybody in the, <laughs> in the caucus is looking at this going, uh, holy shit, we got to get this off our desk. Quick. Quickly. Very quickly. Very, yes. very, very quickly. It's, it's amazing how weeks of inaction after a unanimous vote in the Senate. When's the last time the Senate voted unanimously on anything? Uh, I... I mean, other than like a post office thing or, right. or to, or to, right. or to nothing, adjourn or something. Right. Yeah, nothing. nothing. This was a this was a true unanimous vote because, duh, it makes sense. And Nancy Pelosi still held it up because she was just fine trying to squeeze Republican justices. Well, and I think she's figuring out now that <laughs> she's left she's left her caucus looking uh looking pretty bad and 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 here's the thing i think that if it came to doing that hearing tonight the j6 hearing tonight which we're going to get to here we got a few minutes left and not having this thing passed republicans were going to be all over that all well i actually i don't know about that because republicans aren't even on this committee yet two, and neither one of them are, might, might be inclined to do this but you know that republicans would be around that committee hearing talking to reporters and getting on stand up saying because, where's you know they're they're talking about they're talking about something that happened two years ago and now we're or a year and a half ago and and we're talking about protecting supreme court justices and they're not doing anything about supreme I mean, court legitimately justices. right if you if, if you break down j6 to what they purportedly want to to break this down to it's that they want to go after donald trump for inciting a riot i mean that's that's what it boils down to right yep Yep. Okay. What's the difference between Donald Trump a year and a half ago inciting a riot and 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 going through all this dog and pony show to prosecute him over it, uh, congressionally speaking, to what Chuck Schumer said two years ago in front of the Supreme Court, literally calling out Gorsuch and Kavanaugh by name, saying, we're going to come after you and we're going to make you pay the price. You're going to reap the whirlwind for this. Yep. There is... What's 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 the difference? What 
How was Chuck Schumer not inciting a riot? How was Chuck Schumer not inciting domestic terrorism? Well, that one was a couple of what was it, about a year ago, two years it, ago. It was it was March of 2020. The, the 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 one in last month where Chuck Schumer and you have that clip. We played it last. That month. was May 10th. Yeah, that yeah, was May 10th. That was exactly that a was, month ago where he says, "Oh, I have ago. no problem with people getting uh, you know." finding out where justices live and, and going to Even their though there's a law on the book. 18 federal, USC 1507, which Merrick Garland refuses to enforce. And refused to enforce last night. Yeah, last night, even after this happened, they still didn't do anything about right. people who were after showing Merrick up. Gar even though it's a criminal offense to do that, after Merrick Garland, after Merrick Garland held a press conference saying, well, obviously this behavior is unacceptable. Apparently it is because they didn't go in and arrest people that still protested in front of Kavanaugh's house last night. In fact, I read a report that they were actually there this morning, still protesting out in front of his house. And yeah. Merrick Garland still was not going to arrest them. Yeah, that's the reason why I put Merrick Garland's picture up on that post this morning. Is because he's yep. he's the problem. You could end that you could end that nonsense in a heartbeat by simply arresting everybody that shows up and then um charging people who um doxed the um justices uh with a um with a conspiracy to, to violate that uh 18 USC 15 If they ever find that clerk that leaked the leaked the decision they should be charged as an accomplice in this well, too. Well, I mean that would be It's a reach. Do. It's a reach. It's a reach. But, reach. If, but it but if you if you want to do justice yeah, yeah, but exactly. you know what the interesting part about that is, is that there actually isn't a, a law against leaking. I, I didn't know I this. Know. I didn't know this. There's no law against leaking Supreme Court materials. There, I, I think that there should be, and I, maybe there, there will well, be, but but there apparently isn't a law Hugh, against it. Hugh, uh, Hugh had Tom Cotton on this morning, and Tom Cotton didn't miss any words at all. He he really went after uh, both uh, Schumer and Merrick Garland, and he said Merrick Garland because he didn't crack down on these protesters and is still uh, allowing it, he needs to resign. He needs to get the hell out he, yep. because he's not doing his job. Yep. So, yep. I agree. All right. We got a couple minutes left. That's about all it's worth. Uh, J6 hearing tonight. I'm not watching it. Uh, not I mean, I assume bit. that anything that's newsy or, or substantive will be reported. Gray, Graybean will pick it up. I mean, there, there will be something. I, I, I could, you could not pay me to care about this. Right. Yeah, and, I'm kind of in the same and, and, and I am not a pro Trump or an anti Trump person. I've, you know, where and, I'm at with Trump. And, I've and always I think, and I think that this is an awful, I mean, I think that the, the January 6th riot was awful. I think that I, I don't think Trump bears legal responsibility, but I think he bears some moral responsibility for it. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, the Republicans who tried to usurp, uh, state sovereignty, in denying that and uh, denying their electoral college votes it was uh, being a bad look all, all the, the way, way around. around all the way around totally agree with you i i do not condone a bit of it um anybody that broke into that capital and took part in that mob and took part of that riot should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and, and to be fair about that they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law not just set aside and held indefinitely without the due process. Right, right, right. Absolutely. I mean, if, <laughs> shouldn't, if, take if they did, shouldn't have taken long to prosecute these no, guys. No, no, no. So I'm a pox on everybody's house for playing politics with this whole thing. Yep. Get to the bottom of it and be done with it. 
And this and, is not and, this is not a get to the this is not a get to the bottom. This is this is clearly dog a and pony dog show. and pony show. This if is ABC to try to drum News, up. This is try to change the polls. If ABC News is building the set, conspiring with the House Democrats to do special video packages and and everything to try and stick it in, in the prime time, I'm sorry, it's not serious. It's a rump committee. It has no. It has no legitimacy. I don't give two shits in a bucket about what uh, what comes out of this hearing. It's not going to matter. Yep. I'm sorry. Adam Kinzinger and, and Liz Cheney do not make this a bipartisan committee. They nope. just don't. No. This, no. this is a this is a never Trump committee. It's and on a on a point that while Americans care about it, it's not part of their daily lived experience. It's not going to no. have any impact no. on what happens in November. Trump's not on the Trump's not on the ticket in November. Six eighty nine gas in the corner gas station in my parking lot is what people around here care about. Shortages of baby formula are what people are going to. That's care what about. people care about. Uh, crime having crime having having to be afraid to walk down the streets of your own community is yes. what people are going to care about. That's what yes. people care about. None of what they're doing right now on primetime tonight has anything to do with the issues that are plaguing Americans at the moment. And <laughs> if they expect that to, if they expect this dog and pony show to somehow change uh, Americans priorities, they're either idiots or they think Americans are idiots because it's simply not going to happen. Now, if they have a case to make against somebody, then they should just go ahead and make the case. You don't need a primetime um, question and answer uh, to do that. Just go ahead and make the case. Write the reports. Refer it to the Department of Justice. Make the case. I, I will I will close with this. I will close with this. If anybody thinks that this J6 committee is going to move the needle because it's going to be in prime time, whatever the news of today is, it's going to come in and boy, after tonight, everybody's going to be talking about this tomorrow. Everybody tomorrow and leading into the weekend and the Sunday shows, everybody's going to be on the J6 thing. Do you know what gets released tomorrow, Ed? Uh, the inflation report. The CPI number <laughs> CPI comes out num tomorrow. CPI number you, comes out tomorrow. You want to take a guess what the CPI number is going to be? I'm going to say it's going to be 8%. Do you know what the month-to-month -month CPI is going to be? I'm not sure what the expectations are. I'm going to guess around 0 0.4. New no. from from last month to this month, new. No. You think it's gas gonna be higher? Oh, because of gas prices. Every well, yeah, right. single day of May was an increase in in gas prices. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. The month to month is probably going to be over a percent, which means the current pace. I'm not talking about last year, which had elevated prices. The you know the year to year is one look, but if you look at the month to month tomorrow. It's going to be close to a full percent, if not maybe even a little more. Interesting. And if that is, if you annualize that, we're back at 12% current inflation. Yep. Yep. And when that number comes out tomorrow, do you think people are going to be saying, well, boy, that's terrible, but J6? Yeah. No, no. No, no one's going to say that. No, nobody, nobody is, nobody's going to care about J6. Uh, for more than for more than a few hours, the next time they go to the gas station, J6 is not going to be on their mind. The next time they go to no. the grocery store, J6 is not going to be on their mind. The, the next time that they have to walk down a street in their community in the dark, J6 is most definitely not going to be on their minds. Um, 
And if Democrats haven't figured that out after the Chesa Budin recall and, and the George Gascon recall and the L.A. mayor uh, race outcome yesterday, uh, I'm not sure that it's going to sink in at all. I mean, even the national media outlets like New York Times, Washington Post, Washington Post finally did it in a news report today, by the way, about the about the messaging from uh, the elections being a, a a blow to Democrats on crime, which, by the way, I include in that post about uh, Laura Mate. Right. So that's coming up. By the time this airs, it will already be up at hotair.com. So, and then it, I also do throw a hat tip out to my to my buddy uh, Dwayne. In that, hey, right. I, got, I had to try. Oh, you did. It was a good. And it was a good try. And if Joe Biden hadn't stepped all over you, man, I might have. It might have been the first thing I posted this morning. I was all prepared for it. Grandpa, bad finger strikes again. I'm telling you, he's 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 the 85 year old grandpa that wants to tell you. The same story for the thousandth time at the Thanksgiving table, and you have to sit there and listen to it and pretend like it's the first time. That's a conversation with Joe Biden. Yes. Except that grandpa at the Thanksgiving table doesn't have the freaking nuclear codes. Also, grandpa usually tells the same story over and over again, and it's true. Based in reality. (laughs) Yeah, it's based in reality somewhere along the line. All right. We got to wrap up here, Dwayne, but what's coming up on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt show? Um... Hugh spent almost all day on this, uh, on the reaction to this uh, attempt on Brett Kavanaugh. And uh, if the House actually moves today, um, that'll be an interesting thing to react. We're going to talk to Larry Arnn tomorrow about this and a bunch of other things. So that's going to be kind of the the, the major focus. This, this really, this really kind of bugged Hugh quite a bit yesterday, because if this attempt had gone through, this is a republic destabilizing event. I mean, it really yep. would have been. Yep. And 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 we literally dodged, literally and figuratively dodged a bullet here. Yep. I think you're right about that. All right. Well, that's on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt Show. We'll find out what's coming up then. 6 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 a.m. on God's Time Zone, 3 a.m. on the left coast. And don't forget to tune in uh, the after show at the Universe. Now, tonight, uh, are you going to be doing... Just uh, me. Are you going to be doing live commentary on J6? I am counter-programming the J6 thing because nobody's going to be watching it. (laughs) So I will be doing a normal show in which... I couldn't care about what goes on with the J6 thing. I will be doing the actual news tonight while the J6 thing is going on. There you go. You can you can look forward to that if you're a member of the universe and you should be I a expect, member of the human, I universe. I expect a bigger audience tonight than I've ever had because people are going to be saying, I can't, well, there's nothing on. I can't get away from this. Well, you can get away from it. Come into the universe. You should ask John Andrasic to come on with you. We haven't what? talked to John in a while. We haven't talked to John in a while. You should talk to John. See if he wants to come on with you tonight. Counter program. That would be kind of interesting. See, this is this is me. I'm the producer of the after show for I see. I I Lord knows I need to produce it. <laughs> All right, Dwayne Generalissimo Patterson, the best producer in the business, by the way. Don't don't let him fool you. He's the best producer in the business. Thanks so much for being with us as always, sir. Thanks, guys. See you. All right, stay tuned for more from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. And joining me now is one of my really good friends, um, you know, on the air and off the air, Peter Grandish from petergrandish.com wrote the book Confessions of the Wall Street Whiz Kid, which you can read actually at petergrandich.com. You can also buy it, but you can read it online. And Peter is 
really recalculated all of his business um, uh, orientation to uh, providing faith-based um, investment advice, which for the most part these days is, is you know, stay stay out of the markets, Peter. I mean, uh, you you're like a you're like a prophet of old, right? I think you're Jeremiah uh, uh, of of the economy these days. Well, yeah, it, it's uh, first of all, it, it's not people need to know it is not an open door action by tying your fate to finance. More doors. Yeah close automatically without even a chance to say boo uh, because of that. But it is because of everything that's happened and explained in the book. And then some, uh, it is where I believe my rest of my natural life has to be focused on. And in terms of uh, prophecy, I wouldn't begin to think that I'm, I'm being used as a prophet. I can tell you that the actions that I, that I took for myself and what I suggested people consider at the end of last year, was not readily found to, to basically say that America uh, was in its worst ever economic, social, and political environment, and that you really shouldn't own any general equities or bonds was not a popular thing, nor did it uh, derive a lot of uh, new interest. Uh, it, it's probably a thing most people didn't want to hear. And even if they did, they said things like, I know you're right, but I hope you're wrong. And uh, they stayed where they were at. So, uh, yeah. And while we're now in this midst of what I said a couple of weeks ago was a normal bear market rally after the damage that was done and that we have such a overwhelming amount of financial advisors with limited experience, the, the average length of the licensed financial advisor now is less than 12 years, which means they weren't even practicing their, what they preach when the last financial crisis was here. And so I'm not surprised that they have taken very lightly the fundamental social and you know political and economic factors that bear a, a, at least caution, if not outright alarm. Well, and it's interesting too, because you and I were on the air together on Relevant Radio uh, last Friday, which was, you know, I had a great, I had a great three day run filling in for our, our good friend, Drew Mariani. Uh, and it's a wonderful experience. You got me on the one day that we weren't having a ton of technical problems. These guys, Peter, worked their rear ends off because we had so many glitches going on. And those poor guys, you know, the poor guys and gals in the studio really, I mean, above and beyond. I wanted to, I wanted to assign medals to each one of them just to get, get, get us through the first two days. You were on the one day that we, we had it easy. And so we had a great conversation. And even then, you know... We didn't get a chance to get to some of the remarks that were made or some of the claims that were made about the current economy that simply simply does not comport to reality. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, it was uh, mind-blowing to the point where I actually made a blog post just about the president and his claims that he made earlier in that morning was just befuddling. It was it. it I felt I, I might have fallen asleep and maybe I just dreamed the past couple of years and because the, the, the statistics and numbers and what he tried to imply in his talk just didn't measure up to the realistic factors and known numbers that were out there. And sure enough, over the last few days, people have come out to demonstrate and show uh, particularly how wrong uh, his statements were. But apparently statements and being wrong is not something the White House seems to worry a lot about. So, uh, But it was shocking. And of course, 
the, the, the problem with that is there's not as many people taking it as serious as you and I do. Right. And therefore, people just accepted it. It's the president. He said it, so it must be true kind of an attitude. But the poll numbers, I think, have gotten to the point where people, even in the, the, the Democratic side, are, are coming out now. We're even watching uh, clearly left-leaning or, or almost hard left broadcasters and all really attacking You know what is how bad the economy is. Uh, and, and it's not anywhere near as the, as the White House is trying to paint it is. I'm going to get to the polls in a second because there's a really interesting one out of the Wall Street Journal. Um, it was actually conducted a couple of weeks ago, but it was just reported on Monday. And I picked it up on, you know, as we're talking, I picked it up on Tuesday, the same day that we're talking. Um, but before we before we get to that poll, I, I want to ask you about how even inside the administration, it seems like people are trying to slough off blame. And I noticed this starting a couple of weeks ago, right? Janet Yellen pretty, you know, now famously came out and said, well, we got it wrong on inflation. Uh, you know, we missed the mark on inflation and still tried to jolly along. Well, you know, it's we're going to get this under control, which is clearly not the case. But for a couple of weeks prior to that, there were leaks around Yellen saying that, she had she didn't want to go along with the um with the you know that that last tranche of uh stimulus that uh biden did in march of 2021 and how you know she wasn't she you know her her input in economic policy wasn't being listened to and it really starts to sound in all of these things all the things that she said and the stuff that's been said around her like even inside the white house they're starting to realize that this stinks and they're trying to find people to blame other than joe biden you know, it reminds me like when you know you did something wrong when you were a kid and there was three <laughs> or four of you around and your mother came and, and instead of admitting you just point, Joey did it. It was Joey's fault. And that's really what the president has uh, has done here. He's pointed fingers at everybody. He's taken really no uh, responsibility. Uh, it's not surprising. Listen, his entire uh, most of his career was that way as a senator. And as a vice president, yep. And uh, let's face it, he's not the same man. Whether you, you like him or not, he's clearly not the same physical man that existed ten or twenty years ago. And that probably is susceptible to more uh, manipulation or forgetfulness or a combination of all of that plus lies. So, uh, it, it and I and I think Yellen is one of those people that have started to hear that. Not everybody's hearing it, but they hear that faint voice of abandon ship, abandon <laughs> ship. And, you know, I'm going to I, I really suspect that we're going to see uh, other than the few that are there with long term, hopeful, you know, run for president or something, you know, the secretary, you know, uh, of transportation and, and maybe the vice president. Uh, I think we're going to see a wholesale failing. I, you know, the White House press secretary did. Uh, her replacement is horribly compared. If I was a Democrat, uh, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't even come close to the last one that what she managed to do and get over on people. And so I, I just think this is uh, a, a, a White House in free fall. And realistically, you know, when you when you have nothing to point to, you just try to blame everybody else. And, and that's I think that's going to be their attitude to, until something changes. Well, I think you're right, Peter. And, um, you know, it's it's not it's it's not necessarily unheard of that you have some house cleaning after a bad 
midterm cycle. And I think it's very clear that it's going to be an extremely bad midterm cycle. Uh, and Joe Biden will probably take some of the traditional methods of blame shifting by simply replacing some of the personnel around him. On the other hand, if it gets really bad, I'm not sure how many people are going to want to jump in there. And that brings me to back to the poll here. I was I was sort of talking a little bit about the Wall Street Journal poll that was published on Monday, June the 6th. Now, this was taken in mid-May. So it took him a couple of weeks for some reason to get around to reporting on this. I mean, you read the Wall Street Journal. I read the Wall Street Journal. Um, there, I think the Wall Street Journal, except for it's, you know, it's real breaking news things and market things. I think a lot of times they're on Catholic time, Peter. <laughs> I mean, they really take their time with stuff. They're good, but they really take their time with stuff, right? Yeah, well, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes I just think, you know, maybe, especially when we see now in this media world where everything is instantaneous and so much errors have occur occurred because of instantaneous, yep. maybe that we should all go back to, you know, Catholic times. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And I'm going to get to more media stuff later about that because I think you're absolutely right. But anyway, this Wall Street Journal poll was very interesting. They didn't ask the, they weren't really asking the electoral questions in this. It's really just about the economy and some other issues. There were other issues that were involved in this. There was some numbers on abortion that came out early on this. They kind of they kind of leaked those out early to stoke um, interest in this. I didn't find them to be terribly different than, than previous polling numbers on abortion. And it's clear that abortion isn't really going to be a major issue in the election. But what I did find extremely interesting were two things. One is that 83% of respondents in this poll were pessimistic, uh, either to a large degree or, or a lesser degree, about the current state of the economy. And this was in a poll sample that was comprised of 48% Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents. 48%, half of the poll respondents, almost half, were Democrats or Democrat-leaners, and 83% were pessimistic about the about the direction that the economy was going. Um, there was, I think it was 63%, I can take a really quick look here, Peter, of people who were saying that they are not um, optimistic about improving their um, uh, Im improving their uh, standard of living, excuse me, their standard of living uh, for uh, the next year. Um, now, that is, is 27%, right? That was a 20-point drop from last year. Uh, the biggest drop they've ever had in that particular measure, because they've been doing this poll since 1972. Um, and the share of respondents that said that their financial situation has gotten worse over the last year, the last few years, it says, few years. So I've got to be careful about that. It's 38%. That is the highest it's been since the Great Recession in 2007, 2008. Peter, you, 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 you talk about... Uh, the media being asleep, but I think everybody else is now wide awake as to just how bad things are. Yeah, take away a few, a couple of the financial networks, which are really just uh, places for what I call the don't worry, be happy crowd to peddle their wares. I don't believe they give balanced information, but you're right. Much of the media also has not really focused on how really bad it's been for most. Listen, for the last couple of years, you and I have talked, even when the market was going up, we talked that it was really thanks to the monetary heroin that right. the Fed was providing trillions of dollars being created out of thin air. But we knew that it was a very small percentage of Americans were prospering from that. The rest were struggling to stay afloat and a lot were falling. And of course, 
the pandemic and the psychological damage and struggles that people had with the pandemic, let alone the actual physical and monetary and all the other things that that impacted. I guess as that started to wane this year, there was just a natural human tendency to want to hope that the worst is behind us. And then what happens to the average American? Boom. Gas is going up twice as much. Food is going up not three, four, or five percent, but 15, 20, 30, 40. It, whatever business you have, you're having trouble first getting help. Then you have trouble getting parts or whatever it is that used to take three weeks to get to your, your place of business. Now they're telling you could take three or six months. And all of this is happening while statistically 64% Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 25% of Americans making over 250,000 are living paycheck to paycheck, which if you think about that is crazy, except that you and I have had this talk that people, you know, live beyond their means. And I right. always argue less is more and all that type of stuff. So it's been very, it's been one thing after another. And for the lion's share, which it looks like the Wall Street Journal didn't make those polling exclusive to Beverly Hills and the Hamptons. They, they, <laughs> They've polled average Americans and average Americans are facing an extremely uphill battle. And right now, for a few months, they've been able to get away with it by charging it. We're seeing that now. We're seeing how much uh, balances are going up on credit cards. But that'll reach a level because there's going to get to limits where you can only charge so much. And uh, it's understandable that that pessimism is there. And it's even more deserving if you look to the long-term fundamentals, the things that you and I have spoken about and what led to me taking such a dire uh, position by the end of last year. So I, the, the poll doesn't really surprise me yet. And, and again, I always like to say I wish I was wrong, but I feel I'm going to be right. Well, I think you are. I think you're already being proven right. I mean, and, and again, I mean, we talked about this on Friday. Um, you know, in, in terms of inflation, I... I find it interesting too that I think that the media is starting to figure out that you know the cat's out of the bag on what happens in inflation. The Associated Press had a very good report by uh, Christopher Rugeber, uh, who is actually one of the better one of their better report uh, reporters on economics, uh, talking about the regressive impact that uh, inflation has had uh, in America. That this is mostly being borne by working class people and, and poorer people. Um, and that you can tell that in how people spend. Now, you and I have talked about consumer spending that, first off, we probably spend too much on stuff we don't need. So that's one thing. And that's, of course, gets back into your faith-based approach to, you know, financial planning, which is, you know, if, if you're renting a storage unit to keep your stuff and you own your own house, you probably have bought too much stuff and need to and need to stop doing that. But even, even with, um, you know, what's called, you know, personal consumable expenditures, PCEs, if you're looking at the reports, Peter, first off, they're not spectacularly, uh, this is not spectacular growth. It was 2.5% in Q4 last year, 3.1%, I think, is the latest iteration of that in Q1. Um, but it's where the money is going and who's spending it. And the Associated Press broke it down very nicely and again, I believe this was either Sunday or Monday, uh, in showing that the people who are wealthy are still buying luxury items. They're still going to the fancy stores. You know, Nordstrom's sales are up, for instance. And uh, there was Nordstrom's or another one I, that, that, where sales were up. And in the meantime, Walmart and Target 
and other discounters are reporting that their customers are scaling down, they're spending less per visit, and they're also looking for cheaper alternatives to the to what they used to buy before. So all of a sudden, generics are are there's an uptick in sales of generics. There's a downward pressure on the sales of name brands in these stores, and it's clear that as Heather Long put it in the Washington Post, and this is a couple of weeks ago, she's also ahead of the curve on this, that we have de we're developing an economy of haves and have-nots. And that's exactly what inflation does. It creates this stratification. Well, again, and that played into a role of my decisions on things that I made, but let's, let's, let's go back just a year ago. And first, there really wasn't no inflation. That was the argument we heard from the Fed and the right. president. Then this wonderful word that came out that I don't remember in all my years, 38 years, but it floated for a while and it seemed to work for them transitory. It's transitory. And, uh, and of course, now we've seen uh, real inflation. One of the things that's interesting, two things that aren't discussed a lot, and we should bring this out for your, your, your viewers and of course the people that I will play this for. One, the CPI is not the best indicator of inflation. And the reason it isn't, it's heavily weighted on measuring luxury items, not necessity items. And like you said, there's not as much inflation, nor is it impacting as much the people that can afford to buy the stuff. The old stories is if you could own that speedboat, you're not going to worry about what the actual price of the gas is. Okay, where you know we just talked about how how most people are just living paycheck to paycheck. But the thing that isn't talked about much at all, and it's so widespread now more widespread than any other time, including in the 70s, is what we call shrinkage. And we're not talking about the Seinfeld shrinkage. We're talking about where companies now are widespread, either shrinking the package, shrinking the amount of the package, or the, in other words, it used to be 50 pieces or whatever it was for $1.50. Now it's 47 for $1.50, or they shrunk the amount of ounces or the size. And the net result is, there's no real way of measuring that. But if you think about it, all those things are the necessity. If they're shrinking the amount that you're getting and either charge you more or the same, the net result is you have to pay more for the very same thing you used just a while ago. And they don't take that into account. And it's all over. People have talked to people even notice it. Some have been so bold that you can actually see it in the difference of the bags. But most look, it used to be net weight six ounces. Now it's net weight four and a half ounces. So there are so many things that have made up and very few people. There were an odd person or two, Ed, but very few talked during the lockdown on either side of the aisle. Hey, when these lockdowns end, now that we stop making all this stuff, People are going to need stuff, and it's not going to be readily available. And one of the classics to inflation is too much money chasing too few products. And that's the other thing. And then the other unforeseen things, China holding back. Listen, Ed, it wasn't until the pandemic that most of us, me included, realized how many things that we need in everyday life were not being made here in the USA. And we were dependent on coming from overseas and particularly from areas now that aren't the best of friends of ours or outright are clearly not friends of ours. And all of that has played a role in causing. And once inflation is out of the, out of the genies, out of the bottle, Volcker proved that unless you absolutely destroyed demand and literally forced a hard recession or a depression, it's hard to break its back. So these guys that are out there and gals, 
from the Fed saying, oh, by the second half and no later than 2023, inflation will be back at two or three percent. Let me remind you, those are some of the same people that worked at the place where just less than a year ago, we found several Federal Reserve Board members were trading their own stock brokerage account while they were federal board members. And I got to tell you, Ed, if I was on the Fed and I knew we weren't tightening, I'd be long stocks too. So I, I don't really have a lot of trust or faith in the Fed to begin with. I have even less now. And now we find all these politicians again on both sides of the aisle, Ed, yep. are trading and being involved in stocks and all at a time when they're making decisions that will directly impact those companies and all. There's a whole lot of issues, social, politically, and economically, that just drive me to say that the worst has not been seen. We're going to have to go through a much more difficult time over a far longer period than I think most people are used to or even aware needs to happen. Well, yes, to all of that. <laughs> you, you covered it really well. And, and I think that especially the part where it's both parties. We were talking, I was talking with somebody about this, and I forget who it was. And we were talking about monetary expansion and we we're talking about debt. And I said, neither party has been, <laughs> neither party has been serious about this since about 1994. And I was like, I think this is the last time anybody even have a, had a serious conversation about balancing the budget and cutting out deficit spending. I, I, and, you know, maybe for what, a year? And, and even then it was sort of a, you know, they had the balanced budget, that, that one balanced budget that passed, I think it is 1995's budget or 1996's budget. And even then it was kind of gimmicky, but at least it came close. It was a lot closer than we've come to since then. And, um, and yeah, nobody's taking this seriously. And so it's, when we're talking about, when we're talking about massive monetary expansions, I think the Federal Reserve has plenty of blame that should be tagged onto it. But we also have to uh, note that both parties in Congress and both parties in, in, in the executive have spent, have, have, have basically required the Federal Reserve to keep coming up with more cash because they keep spending budgets with, you know, appropriating money that doesn't exist. They got trillion dollar deficits. <laughs> where do, they, where do people think that money comes from? Yeah, it comes from selling bonds, but bonds are basically a form of uh, monetary expansion. Uh, and, and I don't think that pe most people really kind of understand that, especially because I don't think most people expect that any of those loans are ever going to get repaid. I don't think a lot of people on the lower to middle level of financial service industry understand it as well, to tell you the real honest truth that yeah. and the carefree attitude that they have to understand. Listen, I'm in this 38 years. When I entered this business, America was the world's largest creditor nation. So when Volcker had to do what he did back in the late 70s, he did it with a cushion without really any major deficits, okay? And he did it from a period of time also when we were a lot better off geopolitically around the world than we are now. And so it's gonna be a much bigger challenge to do that. But you know, we, ha we go through this debt cycle, you know, every year we go, oh, my, are they gonna sign the debt limit? Are they gonna shut the government? And then they put the can is kicked and it's kicked and it's kicked. Well, here's the bottom line. We're now over 30 trillion. I still find this hard to say it because we never used the word trillion in the early days of my business. 30 trillion in hard debt. You and I've had this conversation. That doesn't even count Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid, which people are expecting to be paid over the next several years where there's right. not any money sitting somewhere that's just going to be used to pay that. Let's just look at the 30 trillion. And let's just say that 
this interest rate argument only gets to 5%. It doesn't go back to the 15 or 20% that you and I remembered. We oh, yes, we do. Yep. Okay. So 5%. So 5% interest, 30 trillion, 1.5 trillion in interest expense. Hey, the best year we ever had was 2019. We took in a little under $3.3 trillion as a government. That means half of our expense is going to go uh, just to pay off the interest expense. Yep. So I, I, I don't know how you could have a, that. And think about this. No one was thinking of this when interest rates were down at 1% or 2% the last couple of years. And when third, when paper came out to float, we, we issued treasury bills and notes instead of issuing 30-year bonds at 1% or 2%. We don't even are smart enough to use low interest rates to our advantageous way. So there's a big nut to pay. Less and less people are, are in a position to pay it. And it is an old you know thing that went around uh, when Romney ran for president about that man that did the pulling the wagon that you know, more and more people are getting in the wagon and they're really hammering those of us that are still able to pull the wagon. And eventually the people that are pulling the wagon are going, I wanna jump in there too. And uh, we cannot continue. It's just monetarily, financially, and quite frankly, spiritually uh, wrong to continue going at this rate because some of us who are advanced in age like myself uh, but our children and certainly our grandchildren are going to pay a horrible price for this mismanagement, which you just brought up, has really made no movement to fix it at all for over 20-something years from either side of the aisle. Yeah, nearly 30 years. Nearly 30 years. Yeah. All right, Peter, I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change subjects here just in the last couple of minutes because you and I talked about something just briefly before we came on the air, and it's going to give me an opportunity to mention that you have the absolute best credibility bookshelf uh, behind you. And that is not a picture, folks. That is not a Zoom background. That's actually Peter's bookshelf. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's got all sorts of great memorabilia in there in sports. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, the 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 lack of, um, are you, what's, what's the right word for it? The lack of respect for individual choice when it comes to uh, political and cultural matters, right? Uh, the Tampa Bay, it was Tampa Bay Rays, right? That, yeah. uh, that had a... Um, had a patch most of them had a patch on their uniform um celebrating lgbtqia plus whatever it is month right lgbt month uh pride month i guess is what it's called and of course it was you know the rainbow flag i think it was a the logo the team logo but with the rainbow colors on it and there were a handful of players that opted not to wear it they didn't make a big deal about it they didn't protest it wasn't a protest they just opted not to wear it and of course people got irate because a few people just didn't want to go along with, you know, wearing the, you know, wearing the rainbow uh, emblem because they felt it conflicted with their religious uh, beliefs. NBC News over the weekend, and, and they plugged it every day since, ran this piece about how, a, how a, a, a speaker at a high school commencement recommended a biblical approach to marriage which was an odd thing to recommend. I got, I got to say, it's an odd thing to recommend anyway, but they called it hate speech. And he didn't say, don't be gay. He didn't say, you know, you know, gays are going to burn in hell or anything else like that. He just said that if you're, you, when you select a spouse, you should keep biblical, um, you know, biblical principles in mind. And, uh, you know, men should choose women, women should choose men, um, which certainly is a mainstream thought, <laughs> not just in America, but around the world as well as tolerance for people who choose otherwise but 
you know, this is not about tolerance. This is about indoctrination and it's about browbeating people until they not just, uh, you know, allow other people to have opinions, but uh, make everybody bend the knee to a certain opinion. And I, I know you've been very involved in sports. And so this was a, a story that you were following. I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to express your, your opinions on what happened with these um, six or seven players on the Tampa Bay team. So what you always like to comment about my bookcase, that's what's left of a 20 year uh, business. That was a very viable and lucrative business. I may add uh, dealing with professional athletes, both with their finances and from Catholic and Christian sport, Catholic Christian sports ministry work 15, uh, 13 years with the New York giants on a regular basis, part-time with the New York Yankees. Uh, I left that at the end of 2020 and early 2021 because uh, what sports, particularly at the NFL and of course the NBA, which I was never really involved with, has decided for their best interest to embrace uh, social and political arguments that conjured my, my personal faith. And so the only choice I had was to swallow that for, a, for the almighty dollar or walk away from it. So I walked away from it and what's left of it is right behind me. That's, that's yeah. the extent of it. But uh, I took particular interest in this article and it's widespread and it's, it's part of a bigger picture. It is really the attempt of a, of a beating down and I believe it's uh, demonic forces to be blunt uh, that are trying to silence and bring it to the point where anything expressed that normally our parents or grandparents got to express without fear of, of being hammered since it was just an opinion about their faith is now becoming extremely difficult, challenging at the least, and at the point to where people like these players, particularly the ones that actually gave quotes and stated that, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe it goes against my godly teachings. I, I, I pray for them. I love them. I'm not going to hinder them in any way. I just can't openly support it. And those are the people that are attacking the most. And it's happening everywhere. It's not just happening in sports. It's happening in office uh, in offices. It's happening in, in all areas. And of course, it's supported by a media that's dominant in that uh way of thinking and i think it's only going to get worse and uh you know it's funny i'll just add i had an opportunity given to me again to go back and do bible study and chapel with a couple of teams and i this is part of the reason again that made me turn it down because i i think that is going to be more persecution and i i'm better served in this limited voice i have from an economic standpoint I really had no voice really at any time in the sports world. And uh, it's sad. Uh, I, I have a friend, I won't even tell what industry, what league it's in, but he's very high up. He's a devout Protestant. And he's at the point now where he says, I have to leave, even though it's going to cause me financial hardship because wokeism, which I guess that's how you say it, wokeism. Sure, woke, sure, yeah, yeah. Wokeism is everyday life. In, the, in, in that professional sports and I can't deal with it anymore. So he has to make a very tough choice and figure out a way to support a wife and daughter because uh, he'll never make the type of income he makes now by working for that professional league, so. Yeah, I mean, it, we went from tolerance to 
to forced um, uh, forced cheering from in a very very short period of time <laughs> on, a, on a whole range of subjects, and we could spend a lot more time on this topic, but I'm going to let you go, but not before we find out more about PeterGrandich.com and and um, you know what you're doing these days and uh, how potential clients or or just friends can reach out and get in touch with you. Well, Ed, I'm in the advanced stage of my twilight and my career. I even <laughs> talk to, I've even talked to uh, my friends and followers who still read my, I, I don't do really any social media anymore. I mean, we do put up an occasional video on YouTube if I'm interviewed somewhere and all, but I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. Uh, I do have a blog. People can read that and they can give an email. And anytime we post on the blog, they'll get that posting. Uh, I put... The April 2024 out as a date because I'll be 68 and 40 years in the business. And then if the good Lord has me to that point, I'll make a decision then on, on a, I guess, on a yearly basis. But I really do think that what's ever left of my natural life is to speak about the things that most people on Wall Street wouldn't begin to speak about. And, and, and trust me, it is very, very hard to find a faith-driven, open faith-driven matters of finance topic or persons or groups, yet, whether Protestant or Catholic, our Holy Bible uh, has more about matters of finance than it does even about heaven or hell or praying. So the good Lord thought it was important to tie our faith and matters of finance, but unfortunately, most in the industry don't. And, and that's where I feel I separate myself and hopefully will be around long enough to impact, you know, some people to see that because uh, I, without without our faith and without following the Lord's way, uh, I think we're just susceptible to to all sorts of uh, troubles financially and otherwise. So, I, 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 again, that's really what PeterGranich.com is all about. PeterGranich.com, that's where you can go. You can find him here. On a fairly regular basis, I, it's been I, I've I've been remiss in getting Peter on a little bit more often than we than um, uh, but we're going to fix that. And of course, you can go to relevantradio.com, and he's a regular on the Drew Mariani show. Sometimes when I'm filling in, most often when Drew's there, and uh, he's always on top of the latest developments. He's great at taking calls there too, by the way. And uh, when when we have time to do that on relevantradio.com, Peter, thanks so much for being here today, man. Well, then I'll just tell you, I missed it when you used to do it from your restaurant bar that I used to see in the back. It was more enjoyable. <laughs> but, uh, I have to look at not only you live, but I got to look at this picture over here on the right. of you. It's all branding, man. It's all branding. <laughs> yeah. Care, the, thank yeah, you yeah. for doing, thank you for also, thank you for being, you know, it's, it's not easy being a person from, our side of views these days and uh, you know when you're one of the few voices and one of the only few people that i wish to speak to so uh, keep up the good work buddy all right well you do the same peter god bless you thank you so much for being with us stay tuned folks we'll be back with more from the ed morrissey show right after this thanks for tuning in to the ed morrissey show podcast edition if you like what you saw be sure to subscribe at each of the different platforms. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Rumble, we're on YouTube. 
and we're at the Town Hall Media Player, so be sure to subscribe. Subscriptions are important. Really do appreciate that. It's free. Uh, be sure to like the video if you like that as well. We want to get the word out as much as we possibly can. Really want to thank you for being with us, and while you're at it, if you're at any one of the Town Hall websites, especially hotair.com, be sure to subscribe to our VIP program or our VP, VIP Gold program, which has uh, extra benefits for our subscribers. That is a paid subscription service, but that money goes to fund important uh, initiatives such as Julio Rosas's on-the-road journalism, first-person journalism, journalism you can trust from the border, from the unrest in cities, and all other sorts of things. We do all sorts of fun things with our VIP Gold uh, subscription members, including our VIP Gold chat that I do with Cam Edwards on Wednesday afternoons. Cam Edwards from BearingArms.com. Each of our sites have their own live chat editions and their own uh, streaming shows for VIP Gold members. So be sure to subscribe to the Hot Air uh, VIP, VIP Gold, which goes across the entire Town Hall media spectrum, and especially to the Ed Morrissey Show podcasts. We really appreciate it. Thank you for watching.